Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Kyle's Thoughts. Today, I am joined by my good friend, Abby Fellows. Abby comes to us from Nevada now. Uh, we went to college together at both at the University of Redlands. Um, you were the class of 2021? 22. 22. Wow. So did you actually get a commencement or was it still not because of COVID? Yep. We got a full commencement. Everything was perfectly back to normal. That's crazy to think about that, like in that two year time, everything like went to shit and then came back and then they just kind of acted like nothing had happened. You know, they sent a thing out to us this for this April that they were like, oh, are you going to go? No, no, I'm not going. No, absolutely not. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, it's been three years. I have a whole ass career now. I, I could care less about walking across the stage and like shaking whoever the new dean's hand is. Um, That's so funny. OK, but anyways, getting back on topic. So, you know, introduce yourself, Abby, tell everybody what you do and what you've been up to. Yeah, so I'm Abby Fellows. I graduated this past April with a degree in race and ethnic studies. So super marketable, clearly. Um, I now live in Las Vegas. It's very tiring living here, um, but very fun. I work in social services for Section 8 housing. And I also model and pageant coach on the side so doing a lot okay. great yeah definitely want to jump into that right away so some interesting things there so uh exhausting living in l or uh, in las vegas what, what do you mean by that like i what spend a lot it? of money and i go out a lot <laughs> <laughs> do you live like um close enough to where you can like go to the strip like pretty easily or is it like a whole ass event if you want to like go out to that area the parking is the issue but i live hmm. like 10 minutes from the strip oh wow okay so i'm pretty close and if i have friends that are in town i go to the strip but usually we stay on this side of town because there's so much to do that's not the strip and where i don't have to like drive there sure no that makes sense and probably a lot cheaper too right yeah the strip is, is ridiculous like one drink on the strip is like 24 dollars. yeah so i went to vegas the last time i was in vegas like really to like do stuff was my 21st birthday. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think my mom and dad had like two seven and seven. So, you know, like whiskey and seven up, like pretty basic two ingredient drink. And I think it was like $50 for like both drinks. And I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like it, it yeah, the strip prices were nuts. And to like even like gamble like anywhere, it was like $25 minimums on like all the tables. And I was like, can we go back to Fremont street please? Where like we could afford to <laughs> actually have some fun. <laughs> yeah i just hang out at the like off the strip casinos they're a little seedier but mm. they're way cheaper and like my favorite bar i get drinks for free so like why wouldn't i go there well, that is quite the perk um so you said you're doing section 8 housing so you're doing like kind of like social work then yeah so i'm doing i work in a social services office for people who are in Section 8 housing. So I run okay. social services for three Section 8 housing properties in Vegas. And what does that all entail? Like, what are you like providing for them? So on a smaller scale, like an everyday scale, it's giving them bus passes, giving them referrals to like legal services. And we also help them with like energy assistance applications and SNAP benefits, TANF, all of that, um, all the benefits that you are more inclined to get if you're already in Section 8 housing and just gives these people a better chance at doing something further than just living in Section 8. 
Um, and then on a bigger scale, we work directly with the Southern Nevada Regional Housing Authority. So I'm in all of their meetings about services and about what they're doing with each of their properties. I think they cover 13 properties and I cover three. Hmm. So me and my employee cover three whole properties and they have a whole team that covers theirs. So it's it's been very interesting, but we're actually fully grant funded and we are losing our grant as of May 30th. Oh, so wow. I don't have a job. Oh, Jesus. And that is because I guess did it was it like one of those things that like needs to be re-upped every like so often and then they just decided not to do it. Yeah, so it's every three years and we would have done it again, but our grant changed. So only like only government funded like organizations like the Southern Nevada Regional Housing Authority can apply for it now. So mm-hmm. they have to take over our properties. Um, so the grant changed in that way. So we're kind of out of luck. Gotcha. Have they like reached out at all to kind of say like, you know, you could come work for us or like there's like any sort of like transition plan in place or are they just kind of like, this is your end date, sucks to suck? There's been some talk about getting hired through them. Mm-hmm. And I know some of their people. I'm in meetings with them all the time. So there's been some talk of them hiring us, but I don't know how serious it is. So I'm applying for other things. Gotcha. And where are you kind of looking to go from here? I mean, it definitely seems like, you know, the pageant side of things takes up a lot of your time as well. Um, But I mean, is that kind of like the dream then to be able to do that like full time, like coaching, competing, all that, like modeling type stuff? Or do you see yourself more getting more involved, I guess, on like the social work side of things? Um, I think about both often it's very hard there are not enough pageant kids on the west side of the country to fully support a coaching career they're just aren't so there are only like two or three coaches in the nation that only coach for a living most of us have additional jobs and i mean modeling is fun and i love it but and it pays well it's like 300 dollars a day plus which is great and all but it's eight hours on your feet every day. I have health problems. And like the older you get, the less available those kinds of jobs are to you. Right. And so I want something more sustainable and I do want to go to law school eventually. So I've actually just applied. I actually tested today for um, dispatching like 911 dispatch. Hmm. So I've applied to two dispatching jobs, one for Henderson, which is next to Vegas, and then Vegas. Um, and then tomorrow I find my find out my test scores to see if I passed for the next round of Vegas. So yeah. that's what I've applied to thus far. That's so interesting because I, I talk to a lot of dispatchers myself. I don't know. We we haven't really chatted all that much recently, but yeah, um, what do you do? <laughs> yeah, that's a great, great point. So I am uh, in, in tech sales now. I work for a company called Central Square Technologies that does exactly that. Dispatch software, uh, 911 telephony systems, record management, digital evidence management, anything and everything that has to do. Uh, basically, we say from the time you dial 911 to the time you book them in jail, we handle all the software that that is required for that process. Um, so through that, I've talked to a lot of dispatchers and stuff, and it's really crazy some of the stories they have and kind of some of the things that they have to deal with and just how impressive, honestly, their work setups are. 
Like there's some of those things that look like, you know, straight out of like a, a spy movie or something, just like monitors everywhere, like full 360. They're having like six, seven calls at a time. And it gets crazy. Um, and it's very stressful too, it seems like, but those are very important jobs, obviously. And something that they were seeing a lot of because um, retention and staffing was kind of like a big issue. They couldn't really get a lot of people is uh, a lot of the counties that I talked to were think are moving towards work from home dispatching, which I thought was really interesting, like giving them the setups at their homes, doing all the teaching there, having them connect through like a VPN, setting it up that way. Um, but anyways, all that's for a tangent to say, admirable. I don't know. I don't know. It's a tough one because it's like, there's a lot of like emotional baggage that goes into that role for sure. Like the things that you could hear, you know, could be pretty insane. Yeah. Is that something that you're like, hell yeah. I want to talk to someone who's like dying on the phone or is it just like pays good. I think I can handle it. We'll see what happens. More so the second. I mean, I think I'm pretty positive I can handle it. They played us in the second. You had to get through a, like, so in the info session, they played us a series of calls that they had gotten within the last month. Mm-hmm. And two of them were suicide on the phone. Mm. Um, and that could, you could definitely tell the people in the room that they were weeding out during each call that came through. Sure. So I think it would be a really fun job. It wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to do it forever. I don't think it does pay very, very well. Surprisingly, I did not know it paid as well as it did, but I think that it would be a cool job and something that I could, if I can handle it and so many other people can't like, why shouldn't I do something like that? I guess. Sure. So That's a really interesting way of looking at it. I mean, I know that I was talking to some of them and they were like getting paid like $25 an hour. Is that about right? Or is it more? But ours is like $40 an hour. That, that's good money. That's good stuff for sure. And is it just, I'm assuming it's hourly, like based on whatever shift you take. No, it's actually um, salaried. Oh, okay. I think one, I think Henderson is hourly and then Vegas is salaried. Oh, that's so, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It starts at like 65 and ends at 90. Yeah, that's decent. Right. And that's not bad at all. Uh, and then I know you kind of hit on it a little bit earlier too, about like kind of your health problems. And that kind of started up when we were in college. Um, <laughs> you had to pick me up I from do. the hospital that one time. Yes. Yes. I do remember. So how has that been? Um, have they kind of, you know, pinpointed what exactly the issue is and, and been able to kind of help you out there? Or is it still kind of unsure? It's somewhere in the middle. Okay. So we know that you were kind of around when I had my the first major concussion in college uh, that kind of set off. Now what we know is that the brain injury set off a heart problem. Okay. And with that heart problem, there are two comorbidities that come out when a heart problem like this is present. So I now I'm getting tested. We know for sure that I have the heart problem. I'm now getting tested for a type of allergy issue. It's um, where my mast cells, which are your allergy cells, don't know how to react properly. Mm. So there will be like months at a time where I cannot eat anything without getting an allergic reaction. And that's kind of, it goes through phases, but like there's a list on my phone of like a giant list of things that have given me allergic reactions from things I eat every day, like coffee, for a month, all I could eat was pretzels without getting some type of reaction. 
And reaction, you mean like, are we talking like a rash, hives? Like how bad of a reaction is it? Depends. So anywhere. Oh, great. From, <laughs> yeah. So it can actually turn into like anaphylactic shock. So thankfully that has not happened to me yet. And that only happens to a small percentage of people with this issue. But anything from like a very minor rash on my face to like full body hives to my throat getting really itchy to like terrible stomach problems, all of the above. And it just is kind of like one day something, one day I'll eat Taco Bell and I'll be totally fine. The next day I'm like, need to take two Benadryl or else I feel like I'm going to die. So <laughs> very fun. Um, also found out like three months, no, like six months ago that I'm allergic to tomatoes. So mm-hmm. that's new. That's fun. And then with that is also like hyper It's a type of health problem that affects like hyper flexibility and joint pain. So I'm in joint pain like all the time right now. And I don't really know how they diagnosed it. I have not gotten that far yet, but my doctor looked at me a couple months ago and was like, I'm pretty positive you have this. Interesting. And And so you're like, the best thing I can do for this is wear high heels all the time. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I see how that sounds problematic, but I'm used to wearing high heels at this point. Okay. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it's not the best. So yeah, I guess that's kind of my segue into like, how has this, you know, now recent medical stuff really impacted like your whole pageant career? Like, does has it caused you issues when you're like, you know, let's say you're, you're out competing and you go to like get something to eat in between. And then like, all of a sudden you're having an allergic reaction. Like, it, like how, how has it impacted things if at all? Yeah. So the first ever like problem I had with it was right when I was starting to figure out I had heart problems, I think it was my freshman year. So it was your, what, like junior year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was at a pageant and I passed out backstage right before I went on for like when they were about to announce the winner. So that was like the first issue I had. And then I hadn't really had any issues. And then last February, I crowned the new Miss California because I was Miss California the year before. And I ate Taco Bell. This is why it's an example. I ate Taco Bell right before I went on stage to crown her. And I had a huge rash. It was terrible, like rash all over my chest. It was awful. So thankfully, it doesn't happen often when I'm competing. I think it's like the adrenaline kind of takes it away. Plus, I always make sure I'm like on top of my my meds when I'm competing. Can you like preactively like... I guess like, like you said, like take like Benadryl or something before like eating just to like hope that it helps with whatever allergic reaction could pop up. Or is it more like you just wait to see and then dose if you need it? More so the second. Um, okay. I can take things preemptively for like the side effects. Like I take can take a nausea pill before I eat. I can take like a type of stomach pill before I eat. Sure. That will help, but I can't like take Benadryl before because a it makes me sleep and b it's just not like yeah. you just take benadryl all the time so also like a daily um like a daily antihistamine helps so i take like claritin every day but it only helps so much when i'm sure. in like a really bad flare 
So, but thankfully, like the only other issue is sometimes if I have like a really bad day with my health, then I can't do whatever coaching sessions I have that night. But I mean, that's kind of a day-to-day issue and all of my clients know that. So Mm, that's it. Gotcha. And I guess kind of also another thing that I was thinking about while you're talking about this is you have, I guess we have similar kind of health conditions in a sense that like, it's not very visible, right? Like people can't look at you and see that like you're, you're dealing with something or kind of something's off. Um, you know, how is that in kind of your, your day-to-day life and your experience? Like, do you find that it's, it's difficult at times for people to really understand when everything appears so normal on the outside? Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. It's something I struggle with every single day. So, Um, I think especially with like pageants and modeling too, people expect me to be a certain type of way and look a certain type of way all the time. And that's just not what they get. Mm. So um, I've had that even with like dating and stuff too. Like it's, I look different than the health problems I have. And it throws a lot of people off. My cats are fighting. Um, It throws a lot of people off. And especially like once I got, um, I don't know if you know this, I have a disability placard for my car. I think I've seen you post about it. Probably. Yeah. So I had three temporary ones that are only six months. And my doctor was like, we might as well just get you try and get you a permanent one. And they accepted it on the first try with the DMV, which is kind of rare. So I was thankful for that. But definitely when I pop that bitch on, when I park at like Target, I get looks, especially from like other people who are parked in those spots, especially like older people. That's what I mostly get looks for. But other than that, like as long as I talk to people about it, it's not as big of a deal. And and are those looks you think predominantly because like, oh, you're like a young in shape woman who's like getting out of a car seemingly with no issues. And I'm guessing it kind of has to be like, because it's a heart issue, right? You probably don't want to like physically exert yourself too much. Right. right. So with my heart problem, if I stand up for too long or if I'm walking for too long, I'll just pass out. So wow. it's not the safest. So that's why a lot of people with my condition, I have POTS for those of you who know what that is. Um, so it's pretty common with my condition for people to have disabled placards. Thankfully, no one's ever said anything like verbally to me. Sure. But I'm kind of waiting for that day to happen because I feel like it will at some point. Yeah, it's kind of I guess it kind of feels inevitable in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because like being like a type one diabetic, like there's a lot of things that have a lot of similarities to that. Like when you were talking about like the food thing and you're like, you know, sometimes it just like doesn't make any sense. 100% same thing. Coffee for whatever reason, Right no carbs, no sugar, just black coffee sends my blood sugar through the roof. And I'm like, it doesn't make any sense to me. I have no, and I had asked my endocrinologist about it and she's like, it's just, it, that's just how it is for some diabetics. Like some people it doesn't, some people it doesn't like, it just is what it is. And it's not the caffeine because I've like chugged bang energy drinks that are like no sugar, a shit ton of caffeine and been fine. Um, and so it's like that kind of stuff, like really always like irritated me or like certain vegetables will like spike me, but other ones won't. And like, so it's been really a complicated thing for my own health kind of journey and knowing, okay, these are like the exact foods that I can eat and like not have any issues with. And just like you said, like literally keeping a note on my phone and being like, okay, when I ate this, my blood sugar did this and like trying to like figure out what I can and can't eat. Um, well, well, you know, you could take insulin for it. I was just trying to get to a point where I wasn't like heavily relying on overusing the insulin every day um just because it's so freaking expensive 
and you know you only have so many prescription refills in a month before the doctor's like well you know go take a run around the block or something to like drop your blood sugar i don't know um and to the same token like the physical exercise stuff like that's been something like i used to hike like pretty often and like go to the gym and like all that but like now exercising for like even 15 20 minutes will like drop my blood sugar by like 30 40 points and so it's become a point where it's like almost like too much of a pain in the ass to like go to the gym or like work out because i'm like well then i'm gonna have to eat to spike my blood sugar and then if i spike it too high i'm gonna have to take insulin and then if it goes too late and it's just like this constant like okay fuck it i'll just not I just won't do anything, um, which definitely probably isn't the like, you know, proper thing to do, but it's the easiest. So uh, that's interesting. And, and it's kind of one of those things, too, where it's like um, the social aspect of it. Like I'll go out because so I'm in sales and like all the sales guys, you know, we go to dinners and stuff and they're all drinking. And I don't drink anymore because the alcohol spikes my blood sugar. Right. It's whole fucking theme here. And, and they always make fun of me. And they're like, you're not going to have one drink, not one drink. And I'm like, no, it's not worth it. Like, they're like, come on, just take an extra shot. And I'm like, no, that's not how this works. So, yeah, it is interesting how people like don't really like understand if they don't like go through it themselves, you know. Um, and another thing I always say that's interesting to me about, you know, kind of health conditions like this that kind of just spur- like randomly happen, right, by circumstance, like getting a concussion or whatever. And like your whole life has changed. Or like for me, like, I don't know, I just turned on when I was 21. Yeah, it just happens. Like, that's something that's so interesting about like the disabled, because right? I'm technically disabled. Like, right? there's a disability. Yeah. Um, it's the only community I know of that anybody can join like that. Right. Where you instantly become a minority and you instantly get to see all the struggles of like the healthcare system, doctors, insurance, like all of that bullshit that like until then. You're like, okay, that sounds bad, but it's not me. And I'm not sick. And I'm not going to get sick. So I don't need to worry about it. And it's like, oh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Until so, uh, it happens to you. I, I don't know if you know this. I got two concussions since the concussion that I originally got. <laughs> um, one of them was like eight months after that one. It was over the summer. And then I had another major one, like, a year ago oh, Jesus so just over a year like a year and a half ish ago are we just gonna have to like strap a helmet to you with some duct tape yes. permanently so i feel like i'm due for another like knock on what i really don't want to be but i feel like i'm due for another um but like since that one i've had way more health issues than even the first one mm. the first one that like spiked it because that was even my second one but besides the point um i since moving to vegas Healthcare here is even worse than I thought it was in California, than I thought it was in Oregon. It's terrible. So my insurance just switched, found out my PCP will not even look at it. Hmm. And the pretty much the only place I've found so far that will take my insurance is booked out till July. And I had referrals to a cardiologist, a neurologist, three different brain scans, blood work, crazy amount of stuff which is now just on pause until like someone can get me in so it's it's insane it's literally crazy that's wild so i guess kind of more on like the vegas piece i am curious so you're originally from oregon right went to school in california how'd you end up settling on vegas my mom and i my mom and i would go a lot and i really liked how crazy it was i'm not even gonna lie to you I liked how there was always something to do. I liked the weather. 
mm-hmm. because I'm from Oregon where it rains like 200 days a year and I was not trying to go back to that. <laughs> so I lived in that for 18 years, did not want to live in that again. And California is expensive. If I want to live in San Diego, which is where I want to live, it's insanely expensive. Yeah. So I could move to Vegas. Rent is not near as bad here. I mean, it's still not great, but not near as bad. I can get a job that pays decent doing something that somewhat relates to my degree ish. Sure. And I'm pretty much like I live alone except my cats and I don't have that many friends out here. I've only lived here for like six, eight months. So I can go out on the weekends and do stuff by myself and not get looked at weird because everyone's just going out and having fun. Mm. and so there's always something to do like I'll get bored and I'll go down to one of the like casinos and I'll watch like a horse riding event or I'll go gamble like 20 bucks 40 bucks or I'll go sit at a bar and meet random people so it's just somewhere where I thought like I wanted somewhere new and different and it was far away from home but not too far like I can still go back to California and see my friends Mm-hmm. But I still have somewhat of a distance to, like, as cliche as it sounds, like, find myself and to live alone and to, like, experience being alone, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it does, totally. I mean, because when you were on campus, you pretty much lived in on-campus housing the whole time, right? Or did you end up getting an apartment at the end there? I, well, no. Like, I even when I lived in the apartments, it was still the on-campus apartments, so... Yeah, so that totally makes sense then to like kind of want that experience of being like kind of independent on your own, trying to see like what it's all about. Um, I guess to try to expand on that. I mean, how was that whole process like finding your first apartment? So when I first moved here, I decided to turn to Facebook, Mm. find a living situation through Facebook, because that is so safe. It's the new (laughs) Craigslist. What could go wrong? Exactly. And a dude messaged me. And like, <laughs> I get a lot of messages on Facebook. I'm not even going to lie to you. A dude messaged <laughs> me on Facebook and was like, hey, I have, because at that point, I didn't know if I wanted to live here, live here. So I was not looking for a year long lease, which makes the whole situation even sketchier. So Beautiful. I'm posting in a like Las Vegas living page, like, okay, I want somewhere to live with a private bedroom, a private bathroom, but like a six month lease. And this dude messaged me. And he didn't seem like the scariest human being. So I was like, okay, this is fine. I came out here to visit like almost a year ago. Went and checked out the place. It was fine. Um, It was pretty nice townhouse. And I like, I had the whole bottom floor. So it was like laundry, bedroom, bathroom. And the dude's dog was so cute. So that definitely helped. But um, I, the day that I moved in, Mm -hmm. My friend Maddie was helping me. I don't know if you remember her. And my mom, my mother says hi, by the way. Oh. And so I, we're moving things in. Yeah. I spot a camera in the kitchen. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Okay. And I, it's just in the back of my head. I don't really think about it. It's in the kitchen. It's right. fine. And he tells me later on that it's for the dog. And I'm like, it's kind of weird. Do you really need a camera to watch your dog? But whatever. So he's he goes to Europe for like a week and I'm watching his dog. I'm feeding his dog. And I pretty much only, I have really bad anxiety. So I got to the point where like I would go to the kitchen only to feed the dog and I would like not go back. I would just hang out in my room 
or I would literally go to a casino until like 10 p.m. in the night go home so I one time I went up to feed the dog and it was like the middle of the night in Europe and I feed the dog and the dog jumps on me it's a big dog and I don't care but I just kind of like push the dog off whatever and immediately I get a text being like is the dog bothering you Mm. keeping tabs (laughs) So I was like, hmm, I don't feel comfy anymore. <laughs> so it just, I don't know. It just got huh. weird. And it was just not my favorite situation. Did you find uh, any other cameras? Um, I think there was one other one that I saw. But I... It's not like those opinion. Airbnb stories where they're like in like the light switches and shit. Yeah. So um, I... My mom actually was like, maybe you should just move and like keep two leases at once. So I did that for like two months. Um, I had this place and then, yeah. But I really like this place. I live alone. My neighbor is a single man. And one time he called the police because he thought I was getting murdered. I was not. Oh. Um, there was just maintenance trying to fix the okay. trying to fix my door. And he literally thought I was getting murdered and called 911, which I do appreciate the due diligence. The due diligence due diligence i do Mm. i do appreciate it yeah what a homie Um, i know but yeah i like it i live just me and my cats and you don't have like you say you have anxiety but like you don't you don't worry about like living alone in like a city where you don't know anybody um i'm not obviously trying not to like freak you out but (laughs) no like vegas is a scary place yeah like all the time so um, I've also had like kind of bad things happen to me while living here already. So it's, it's not great, but I like my space. I feel very comfortable in my space. I have cameras too. So like, I feel more com- comfortable in that way. And I have like an external door lock. So I have like things like that, that make me f- feel more comfortable in my home. Sure. But on the outside of my home, like all of your gunshots once in a while. Yeah. So, um, I mean, my apartment complex is gated. They all are, but well, who? I mean, who does that really stop? No one. Yeah. So, um, it's more of like a. I'm aware of my surroundings when I go out. Is Vegas I'm, like alone? I I would imagine it's kind of the same, but I'm not like 100. Is it kind of like um any other like big city like in LA or DC or New York or where it's kind of like. You know, there's there's the good parts and there's the bad parts. And there's, like, places you don't go after dark. And, you know what I mean? Like, all those kind of same rules apply, I would assume. 100%. So, it's a little less. I would say it's almost a little less scary, like, at night than other cities. Because there's still so much sure. happening at night. That's, like, where all the people go out, right? So Exactly. Yeah. So, even at night, like, it's really not as sketchy as, like, other big cities at night but in general there's still a ton of crime here like a lot yeah no that makes sense i mean that was one of the first things that like i really noticed about like when we lived in dc was like yeah the random like shootings all the time um like people just kind of dying randomly all the time the aggressiveness on like the metros and like walking the streets and like that was a whole new experience for like me was uh you know because i grew up in california so i drove everywhere like you drive from your house to the store you get out you walk to the store you get back in your car you drive home like that's like pretty much like california living 101 and so then to go to dc where it was like didn't have a car took public transport everywhere walked everywhere 
it was so fascinating how different like your life experiences are just walking around places and like the shit that you see um which i guess i'm curious like how is like the homelessness in, in vegas is that like a prominent thing or is it more i guess a, a coastal issue i mean i'm from portland so i notice right. it i notice it but it's not like a it's not something I pay that much attention to because I grew up in Portland. <laughs> so okay. it's like not something that I, I mean, I see a lot of it personally because I work in section eight housing. And with that, a lot of them are friends with like homeless people. And our grant is actually 25% of our population do not have to live in section eight. They can be homeless. Interesting. So I see a lot of it. So I probably have a skewed perspective, but when I'm like out and about, Especially if you're on like Fremont Street or the Strip, it's super, super apparent, but not as much when you get to like the suburbs. Hmm. I guess because it, I mean, I guess you had to like panhandle to make money. It makes sense that you would be where people are, right? So that that checks out. It's just kind of, it was interesting to me, or I guess like particularly sad in dc how rampant the homelessness was because it was like here we are like in the capital of like the richest nation on earth and like there's people who are like building like tent cities because they can't afford like anywhere to live within the city uh and then like recently this last weekend we went to la and it's the worst i've ever seen it like and i've been to la like a grip of times before and you know obviously homelessness has always kind of been a growing issue in california but it is is really bad now and it just feels like so disheartening that, you know, here we are in 2023, we've been knowing about these issues for decades and like still nothing seems to like be, be done. Well, and I mean, the Section 8 housing lists are insane. Ours is three years long. <laughs> so how are you expected to get on a list for housing and then literally have to wait so long? And then out of those, however many people is on that list, only a few will actually get into Section 8, and only a few of those people will get vouchers to actually get a home or an apartment. Mm-hmm. So it's it's insane. Yeah, and then I imagine, like, if you don't have, if you're not, like, a woman or have a child, I imagine it starts getting even harder and harder and harder, right, to find kind of assistance. Especially, I would say, if you're if you don't have a child or if you're under, like, 45, 50, Hmm. or if you're not disabled yeah that's pretty that's tough yeah it's definitely tough i mean i've seen some slightly encouraging things uh more locally here in beaumont um there was a woman in banning the town over who just kind of built on her own fruition a bunch of tiny homes and like kind of created like a little neighborhood for homeless people to live in while they're kind of like getting resituated to help them get a job and stuff. And I, and I think like those housing first programs are really going to be the only way to address the issue is like, they need a house, man. They need a house. Like shelters aren't good enough. They need a place to like be able to like live and put their things and have their pets and feel safe so that they can kind of like restructure and, and get their lives together to go find some work. Because like, it's impossible to find work when you're homeless. I mean, one of the first questions is like, what's your address, right? Like, and if you just put nothing, yeah, good luck. Good luck. That's so crazy. You know this, but during COVID, I worked at a homeless shelter back in Portland. It was a um, elderly women's homeless shelter. Okay. And it was wild. But like, 
the amount of sad things you see because of people's housing situations, insane. Yeah. Oh, I can only imagine. I mean, and it is one of those issues where it's like very, I feel like underreported too, because you have a lot of people who are homeless, but they're like living out of their cars or they're living out of their trailer. And it's right. And so like, they're like right on the edge of being on the street, but they still have like a little something for now. And we just kind of like, don't count those people in a lot of like studies and stuff. And it's only getting worse really. Um, Cause you know, the rising house costs are getting ridiculous. I mean, even like here in Beaumont where it's like, Beaumont is not a hot and popping place. Like this isn't like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's fucking Beaumont. Like it's dirt and a Walmart. Like that's all that's out here. And for like, a two bedroom, one bath. I mean, you're you're probably paying twenty seven hundred, twenty seven, twenty hundred. Like it's just it's getting ridiculous. Like you just and so people just keep going further and further out into the desert, and it's just like I don't know how much longer we can really do this before you know it's like something's got to give. But enough of the depression talk. I was gonna say we talk about something happier. Pop into your hobby. So pageants. I know you stopped for a while. You got back into it. Now you've done coaching. What is that your like number one passion? What else are you passionate about these days? Pageants. My life is pageants. If I'm not coaching, then I am competing or I am judging or I'm doing something. Okay. So competing, coaching, judging out of those three, what's your favorite? Competing. Why? Are you naturally competitive? I'm an attention whore. But oh. also, not, I mean, kind of. But yes, I am competitive, but I also just like the environment of competing because there's just all these girls that you've either never met before or you know, and you have people judging you. I don't know. It, it's so strange, especially when I say it out loud. Sounds like you like to be judged. I mean, I do. I do. I And I think it goes into like, I, I care about what people think of me, which is not great in, a, in and of itself. But to be fair, like pageants are the only reason I've probably had every job I've ever had because my interview skills are so much better now Mm. and I'm able to present myself way more confidently and I have all of these additional skills that I can rely on because of pageants. So I think that's part of the reason is I like being able to have people like acknowledge those things. But I also love coaching for that same reason, because like when I see a kid that I have worked so hard with when it's like the best feeling ever. It's crazy. Sounds like you like the praise. I do. But I also like the mentorship because I'm an only child. So I like the mentorship of like having sisters, especially like little sisters, because I'm the youngest in my family. There were no babies after me. So I love having like my little girls that I get to see like on stage and I get to see them improve is like awesome. Do you have any that you've like coached, I guess, for like multiple like years now or through like multiple, like, do you have like seasons? Like how does exactly, is it like organized? So there are seasons Um, right now we're in state pageant season. So there's like state pageant season is probably like January through April and that is when all the state pageants happen so like Miss California Miss Oregon that's when all of those happen for all the different systems there are millions of systems and pageants so that's when all those pageants happen 
And then nationals for all the people who win state pageants, then go to nationals. National season is like June through August. Okay. So you're pretty much in the off season, which is like September through December. You're just preparing. There's some little things here and there, but mainly you're just preparing for state season again. Hmm. So right now, is there not like a, um, like international, like, does there ever like, or is that only for like the ones that you see on TV, like the Miss America big? Um, Usually international pageants are at the same time as, so, okay. A lot of with like American pageants, a lot of them have called themselves international pageants because they have people from Australia, people from like great britain mm-hmm. you know, they have all these different people come but it's not necessarily like an internationally based competition there are some and most of them um, are just on different schedules because if you think about it like australia has is completely flipped mm-hmm. so it's super different so their schedules are very different but this is the very like americanized schedule of pageants where most people in the united states like that's how they run gotcha And how are you guys like kind of, I guess, separated? Is it only by age? Is it by like, like from the international pageants? No, like when you're competing, right? Like there's probably like different levels of competition, I would imagine. Yeah. So mostly it's by age. So it'll be like seven to nine years old, 21 to 25, you know, that kind of breakdown. Some of them are by grade level, like for kids who are still in like elementary school, middle school, they'll break it down like junior high, third grade, kindergarten. So it just depends, but those are the most common ways of breaking it down. Usually there's like a two to five year age gap, sometimes more. Okay, that makes sense. And what is the typical like prize for winning? Depends on the pageant. A lot of them are scholarship based. So especially for like teenagers before they go off to college, they'll get like a $5,000 scholarship or you know, something along those lines. Um, I'm doing a pageant next month in California. And the prize for that, like we call them prize packages because you get like a package of things basically. So it's like you get money to have a certain amount of wardrobe off from some pageant company. You get your your entry fees paid for for the national pageant. So you don't have to pay anything going in. You get, um, usually you get a stipend for like clothing from a certain brand or something like that. Um, Anywhere from like free spray tans, free teeth whitening, like free, like personal training. Um, And then a lot of times it is like cash prize. So a lot of times how it works is like, I think this one, it's $500, but you get 250 when you win and then you get 250 when you give up your title the next year. Okay interesting it's it's interesting there's a lot of different things but a lot of them now are going to like scholarship based so it's like five thousand or ten thousand dollars for like especially teenagers Mm. who are gonna go to college that makes sense and so I guess with that I mean how do you have you gotten any like flack from people about like oh my god you're supporting the the child pageant terror because i remember that like had popped up through like the the honey boo boo child and like some of the like princess and tiara like those kind of shows when they were going around is like you'd hear about these like horrors of child pageants 
What is, what is your experience with that? Is that true? Is that kind of overhyped up? What do you think about all that? Um, there are parts of it that are a hundred percent accurate. And there are also different types of pageants. So hmm. the pageants that I'm doing and that I'm coaching for are more styled in like Miss America, Miss USA. So they're more based on interview skills, modeling, but like more natural looking girls. Okay. Whereas if you look at like toddlers and tiaras, glitz pageants, which I am not hating. I filmed a glitz pageant literally like two hours ago. I'm not even kidding you. But that is like the toddlers and tiaras style pageant. Um, and I've done both. I've done it all. I love it all. But it's different and it's not for everyone. And I think mm. I'm somewhat desensitized towards it. But I also think that it's amazing. And I always have because I loved toddlers and tiaras when I was a kid. And now I know all of those girls and I see them all the time. Mm. So it's definitely like a lot of some of it is true. Like I have seen moms be crazy. I've seen moms yell. The stories I have are probably crazy to like the average person. However, there's also a lot of it that is not as dramatic. I would say like 85% of it is not as dramatic, but like, are there kids? Will, are there people who spray tan their two-year-olds? Absolutely. Are there people <laughs> who put fake teeth in their five-year-olds faces? Yes. I love it. I think it's great because I, wow. I mean, I, I don't know. I've been in the industry for so long now. It's like my eighth year or something. So I've been in this game for a while, but it's definitely like my mom cannot handle the glitz pageants. She mm. cannot. Like she needs to walk out of the room. So like when I would compete, it wasn't as bad for me because I was like 13, 14 at that point. So it was less jarring because I didn't have to wear fake teeth. Um, or like you know like it's it's less crazy yeah so, um but like when when little kids would go on stage like my mom would have to leave the room like she couldn't handle it and some people just can't and that's totally fine but you know have you ever done one of the ones where you have to like show like a talent or is it like not a thing that happens um it is a thing that happens in some pageants i have never ever once competed talent <laughs> not your thing. Do I zero i don't know get out there and like dance or something i have no idea what 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 is considered a talent it's probably like singing and dancing and juggling and shit right like mostly it's like five-year-old scream singing frozen <laughs> and like people that have gone to like three ballet classes in their entire life so my oh, coach yeah. my head coach who i coach under and i have a role where if you're not doing classes actively for whatever your talent is you're not doing talent because mm. what's the point so that's our mostly like main role. If you're not enrolled in a dance class or you're not in like singing lessons, you're not in sure. piano lessons, why are you doing talent pretty much? Because I've literally seen some crazy talent. CPR, I've seen more than once. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. I have seen- Like they get the dummy out? Yes. <laughs> yes. So I have, I have a pageant family. I love them. They're from LA, but they're like very bougie. They're not going to see this. They're very bougie Orange County people. Mm, the best and kind. Their daughter is eight and she okay. went to a national pageant this past summer. It was when I first started coaching them. So I had no, no pull on this pageant yet. And they flew out her karate instructor to okay. go on stage with her and do a karate routine for talent. Did she win? No. Well, <laughs> so, not first, you're last, sweetie. Better luck next year. So, yeah, it's 
it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> That's okay. So so there's there's glitz, there's talent. What is the one you're called that you do mostly? I do like scholarship pageants because you can mostly get like scholarships from them. That's why they're okay. called like scholarship pageants. And the interview is like that whole like, what would you do to achieve world peace? Like that kind of shit, like that you see from like movies or like what how does that process normally work? So it's either round robin, which is like you sit, there are like four or five judges at every pageant and you'd sit with them for like two minutes each and you just rotate. Okay. Now most pageants have moved to panel interview. So it's just like five judge, judges in front of you and you have like five minutes and you talk about whatever. Um, but usually you have to give them like a bio. And so it'll say like, what are your achievements? What are your like educational goals? What are your career goals? Things like that. So it's more like a job interview. Yes, 100%. Because you're essentially applying for a job. Being a title holder, you're the face of a pageant system. And you're the face of all the brands that the pageant system endorses and works with. Mm -hmm. So you're like, you're supposed to look at it like a job. You're told pretty much at every pageant you go to, like, this is a job interview. Because if you win, you get a scholarship. If you, you get to work with all these brands, you're the face of all this thing. So it's, yeah, it's a job interview, 100%. Interesting. And so like, where do you see kind of like your, your career in pageants going? I mean, you say you, you enjoy competing the most, but obviously I would imagine the money has got to be in, in coaching, but then you said the coaching volume really isn't quite there to go full time. Yeah. So where does that kind of leave Abby in the world of, of pageants going forward? Um, there was a really aggressive meow that just came from my cat. Um, cat's so, also curious. Yeah, big boy has thoughts. Um, his name is Big Boy. So, um, I see myself competing for the next few years. Um, mostly I'm in the Miss division right now, M I S S, because it gets confused with all the other ones. And that is pretty much from like 1920, from anywhere to like 25 to like 28. Mm-hmm. so I have still like five more years to compete in this division and I am planning on like fully taking all of that and doing as much as I can in the next five years um like knock out all the pageants that I really want to knock out and so that's like Miss USA and you know that kind of stuff too so I plan on doing what I'm doing now for the next like five years competing um still coaching But then after that, I'll just probably continue to coach. So like my coach, uh, my head coach, she has a full-time job, but she also coaches like a lot of hours on the side. So like this week, I think I have like this last week, I've had like 15 to 20 hours of coaching, which I guess is like a part, a fully part-time job. Mm -hmm. Um, And the money in coaching is great. But again, there's just not enough kids to make that like a viable thing for- Are you- um charging like by the hour or by like event or okay so but it's like a full it's like basically a full-time job because if I'm not actively coaching a kid I'm like looking for dresses or I'm like looking through a pageant handbook or I'm doing something pageant related I mean it could be something that you could look at about like even switching up your business model a little bit um to make more money from it like being kind of like on like retainer if you will Right. And just like charging like a flat monthly fee to be like, I will handle all your shoots and and coaching and skill and all that. And then also do like the shopping and the designing and kind of like 
themes or whatever. Uh, I, you know, I'm just shooting from the hip here. Obviously, I don't know all the right. And I've definitely details, but it. it's less common in pageantry. Like most coaches charge hourly. Sure. But I mean, you're talking about some people are charging like hundred twenty, hundred fifty dollars hourly, which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, you can, you'd be surprised. I, I think you'd be disgusted, honestly, by like consulting fees. Oh, um, yeah. My we have some law attorney. Mm, yeah. <laughs> In Vegas. Like, we have some consultants that we work with that are like old commissioners from like NYPD, Chicago, LA. And some of them are making about 10,000 an hour. So, yeah, it gets stupid. Um, Part of what it is too is like I just started coaching under my coach's brand around a year ago, so I don't have the reputation, like, the reputation in the years into it yet. Moving to Vegas though has given me so much more business, mm. um, just because there's more pageant kids here for sure. So it's been a lot better here, but it's just. And you say better as in like better here in Vegas than it was in Oregon or better in Vegas than in California? Both together. Interesting. Interesting. Because I would imagine there would be a lot in like kind of like you said, like the Orange County kind of like richy, uppity, middle class folks. There's a coach in Orange County. So so it's kind of locked down. Yeah. The market's been taken. Right. So um, it's it's that's also another like more politics about pageantry is like there are coaches in certain areas like there are two coaches in Oregon my coach and another coach Hmm. and like natural coaches in Vegas at least it's like me and maybe one other person maybe so do you see yourself like always working under your coach or do you have like ambitions to strike it out on your own once you kind of like built your name up have some clients have some referrals I would ideally love to work under her forever. Okay. Um, she's built a really great brand. And I mean, everything I teach her or I teach is like under her, um, like, ped- I can't say that word, pedagogy, ped- you know what I'm saying? Under sure. her brand, like under how she teaches is how I teach because I've watched her for X amount of years now teach that way. And so it's kind of ingrained in me and I lived with her during COVID so I literally watched every session for like eight months that she did so her like business model is ingrained at me at this point there have been a couple instances where I've been like am I really doing the right thing or like things would happen and I'd be meh about it but all in all like ideally I would like to continue coaching under her because she's gaining more clients as fast as I am sure yeah, I mean, if there's definitely like room for both of you to kind of do your thing, then yeah. by all means, more power to you. Yeah, she doesn't like interfere with my stuff at all. So it's very much like I like last week she was like, hey, I have a really bad headache. Will you take this coaching session for me? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I we had there was a pageant in September. I was competing and I had two kids competing and I ended up in the hospital, as I always do. And, um, she had flown in basically to coach me cause I was there coaching my kids and she was able to take over and coach them like through their interviews and stuff that I could not be there for. Cause I was in the hospital. Great. Love that for you. <laughs> I um, woke up the morning of a pageant with a tonsil abscess. <laughs> so in like the older pageants, is there like any like rules around like 
plastic surgery or anything is that like pretty common or is it all like most girls are pretty natural I thought most girls were natural and then I moved to Las Vegas and started doing pageants in Las Vegas mm. and then I was like holy crap I need Botox and filler right now stat still waiting um but like yeah modeling and pageantry both in Vegas are like highly infiltrated by people like like in there i i have never seen so many boob jobs on a pageant stage in my entire life mm. other than like in november i did a pageant here it was like my first big pageant in vegas it was crazy it was wild so it is pretty common then here it is not at all like in like oregon in california no I barely ever, maybe a girl would have lip filler, maybe. But here it's like boob jobs, like everything, which I'm not hating on, but I'm like, damn, I need to make more money if I'm competing here. <laughs> yeah, it just seems like so interesting if like the prizes aren't that lucrative. No. How you are they never, making ever make back? the money back? You will never make the money back, ever. So then is the money like, in hoping that like maybe like a, a brand or a product sees you and they're like, oh, that would be a good model for us. Any kind of contacts you outside of like the pageant system or is it just really the thrill of competing and the attention and kind of accolades of that that you think like really motivates most girls? More so that because if the big pageants, like I went to a pageant in July in Florida mm -hmm. and there were like 70 girls just in my age group and the prize package there is like, what is it? It's like $200,000 worth of stuff. Wow. Crazy. Like they couldn't, they had a video with the amount of like all the prizes and you could not like keep up with it. It was so fast. Like there were so many things, but if you think about it, one out of 70 girls is going to win that. Mm -hmm. So what is your shot? Like, even if you make top 15, like you're still not winning anything, but like, if you think about it, you're, you're probably going to be a little shook at these prices. Entry fee is like with everything included, probably 1500 hair and makeup's 2000 for the week plus gowns. I mean, there are girls with like $20,000 gown budgets. That's not me. I was wearing like a $4,000 gown, but still I also got it resale. So it wasn't actually $4,000, but you see the point. So yeah. plus like flights, hotel, food got it every single thing that goes into it like i cannot tell you how much money in the last eight years have gone to pageantry i cannot and my mom would probably have a stroke so <laughs> <laughs> there is no way you will win so, i have done pretty well for myself i have won a fair bit of money yeah it will never ever compare ever it seems like this is a very much like daddy's girl's activity then some of it here's the thing though. <laughs> i'm i'm from this alone i'm willing to bet most of these girls have loaded parents well i was about to say i don't have daddy's money hmm. i have mommy's oh. money <laughs> she's gonna listen to this. somebody's money is getting funneled she's gonna listen to this and she's gonna be so mad at me um <laughs> but to be fair like right now Shout i have mommy's money now I pay for a lot of my own stuff now. Mm -hmm. I'm about to buy a gown like tomorrow. So 
I, and I will pay for it. So like I pay for a lot of my own stuff now. Um, but yeah, it's definitely like a rich kid sport, but let's look at like competitive dance, competitive cheer, hockey. Like I know people who have had a kid in pageants and a kid in hockey and they're like, it's very expensive. They're like, if you think about it, it's kids sports these days. Because yeah. in every kid's sport and you're going to get like terrible parents in every child's sport that there is. Yeah. No, it was an interesting kind of comparison. Cause I mean, even in like football, it wasn't cheap. It was like, yeah. you know, a few hundred dollars to sign up a few hundred dollars for the pads all in all, you're probably in for like five, $600 a season. And that was like through the high school. Like that wasn't even like private or anything, you know? So I think, yeah, if you think of it that way. How many of those kids make it to the NFL? I mean, less than 1%. So. Exactly. Yeah. No, definitely. I think, I think there is some there, there. I just kind of think of it from like more like the macro perspective of like, there's so many activities and like things that like poor people or even lower middle-class kids will never even get to like see behind the curtain of or even get a glimpse into like this world and so it's fascinating to kind of like get your perspective on it of like all this like craziness that goes on and then it's like the prize doesn't even pay off for itself. so it's like literally just for the the bragging rights and like the personal accolades and there's nothing wrong with that right like i think it's completely as someone who's like very naturally competitive themselves like i totally get it right like yeah it makes sense to me but i could see how other people would be like what the hell is going on And that is mostly what people think from the outside. But I will say, everyone that does well in pageantry has a platform and does insanely a ton of community service. Mm, interesting. Will that make up for everything? No. But at the same token, like, you are getting so many little girls out into the world to, like, go to food drives and do all this stuff mm-hmm. that they are, like, not, you know, it's, like, something that they wouldn't have done otherwise. Sure. And I'm sure part of it is for selfish reasons, but part of it is just because, like, it's parents also wanting to get their kids to, like, see the other side of things, too. And, like, it's better when they grow up to kind of understand everything that happens. But, like, everyone has a platform. So some people, it's, I don't know, feeding the homeless or, you know, the Humane Society, whatever. And mine is literally creating scholarships for kids in poverty to have free coaching, to have pageant experiences because there are so many benefits, especially for children that start. Cause I mean, being able to go on stage and say like a 60 second spiel about yourself at like four years old and to have the confidence to walk into an interview and stand in front of five adults and talk about your favorite subject in school. Like that takes something from a little kid. So that takes effort. No, absolutely. That's that's how I look at it, too, is like I'm giving back because when I'm able to win a title like that, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to create those scholarships for kids who otherwise like wouldn't have those opportunities because it is like a good opportunity, especially for children. No, I I think that's a a great point right there. Right. It's like there's so much about like the ability to interview and the ability to like sell yourself that is not really a skill that's taught all that often. And if it is, it's kind of like one time in high school in your senior year they had make you do like a mock interview or something right like before they like are like all right good luck go find a job um and it is it is crucial my kids every single week yeah and that's 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 a good skill i mean as you probably you know 
maybe even helped develop, you know, through like mock trial and other stuff. Like, I think people have always kind of, at least in my personal life, like celebrated my ability to public speak and kind of like, you know, be very articulate and get my point across. And like, I'm very well-spoken, et cetera. And I always credit that to like kind of the activities that I did as a kid and the things that I found interesting. And so it seems like pageantry in that sense could do that for a lot of young girls too, right? Is like kind of teach them their own voice, how to sell themselves, how to sound articulate, how to get their points across. And there's a lot of power in that, especially when it comes to the time when you're an adult and you have to interview for a real job. Or, you know, you're going to a college board and you're trying to justify why you should get a scholarship or something like that. So I could totally see the merits behind it. I, I, I'm glad that you brought that up because like the cynic in me was like, they're doing community service. Hmm, I wonder if that's so they could brag about it when they compete or like they genuinely want to. But at the end of the day, like I always say, like, even if a bad person does a good thing for selfish reasons, it's still doing a good thing. Right. Like those people that they're helping serve still got served. The dogs that they helped out are still getting help. You know what I mean? Whatever the community service aspect is, it's still being done. So whether or not it's being done for quote unquote, the right reason is irrelevant because it's still got done and I don't care. So like, awesome. Whatever little incentive program we need to use to get people to want to help out, I'm for it. Go for it. That's true. Well, and the nice thing is too, like a lot of kids start their own like community service projects through this too. Sure. So they will collect, like, they'll collect all these things and they'll, um, like, do something and they'll have something to their name that also helps with something else. So they get that, like, sense of experience of not, like, owning your own business, but selling yourself in that way, too. Like, having to, like, have your own organization for certain reasons. So, like, there are so many kids in pageantry that have, like, presidential awards. I don't know. The community service, like, president awards for doing, like, 500 hours for whatever time frame. I don't know. But there are lots of kids that do a lot of community service. So. Yeah. And that's awesome too, because it helps to, I think, ground you a little bit and stay, uh, you know, humble and appreciative of like where you're at in comparison to like where others are and, and helps them make it sure, hopefully that they're not like all like a bunch of little spoiled rich kids. Um, so that's I mean, cool. We're going to find that in every well, kid. <laughs> find so. that everywhere and anything. Exactly. So definitely, no, I, I I completely understand that. Well, I, coming up on the end here, so there's always a question that I love to ask everybody, and that is looking into the future in the broader aspect of things, the world as a whole, are you pessimistic, optimistic, or neutral? I don't... As someone who has worked in a homeless shelter and who works in Section 8 housing and who goes to all these board meetings at the Housing Authority, I'm leaning towards pessimism. (laughs) Um, But I do see optimism in things that people are creating to help the world around them. But is it enough? I don't know. And how about in your personal life? What would you say? I mean, the severe depression side of me says pessimistic, but I'm, for the sake of argument, I'm going to go with optimistic (laughs) because when I look at, I mean, when I look at experiences I've had, um, I'm very grateful and I feel I'm at a good place too with where I am right now. Am I making the most money that I want to make? No. Am I in the best job ever? No. And I constantly have to remind myself that I'm 22. And I have so much more left and I'm constantly like, oh my God, I need to go to law school tomorrow. I need to do this. And I'm like, no, I can take a step back. It's okay. I have my own apartment. I'm paying my own bills. 
I am like creating a life for myself in Las Vegas where otherwise I had known like zero people and I'm giving myself a lot of experiences that I don't think I would have if I didn't take a lot of the risks and opportunities I had have had so um especially moving like I took a risk in moving to California from Oregon I knew zero people in Redlands and I think that gave me the confidence to take this experience and with that I have learned so much too so I still feel like I don't know I constantly have to remind myself that I still have time and I still have like avenues that I can go and especially with like pageants and where I'm working now, I feel very comfortable, which I did not think I would be able to feel at 22. Because when you graduate from college, it's like so scary. And I was not ready for how scary it was. Um, But it just kind of hits you. So it's for myself, I'm mostly optimistic. No, that that's great. I mean, you really hit on a lot of fantastic points there. I mean, that's something that Hannah and I on the first episode talked about was, um, you know, how grateful we were to take that leap to move to DC after college and and to get those experiences, because I think there is something inherently special about leaving your comfort zone and going to a place where you know nobody, starting out all on your own, no safety nets, just kind of like, okay, I'm here and I got to figure it out and whatever happens is going to happen. But like, we're doing it. We're taking a step and kind of like learning along the way. And there's a lot of stuff that you learned in that process. Like, I'm sure you have countless things that you can look back on and be like, oh, I had no idea. And then also to like, you know, hitting on that point about college, like, yeah, it was fucking terrifying. I get out and you're like, oh, great. Like, you know, the first thing I had was like SoFi calling me talking about, so when are you going to start paying back these loans, you think? Like, when are we going to get you on a monthly payment program? You know, and I'm working for $270 an hour at Yard House plus tips. Like, uh, yeah, about that. So I I completely agree with that. And I guess on that same token, um, you know, what would you say to someone who's like just about to graduate, just about to get out into the real world? You know, what advice would you give young Abby then that you know now? Take the risk, especially take the risk because it's worth it knowing your boundaries too. If you get somewhere and you decide that you can't live there and you decide that you need to be somewhere safer to yourself, that's fine. You still learned a lesson. Hmm. So I always say like, it's easier to try something than to not try something because then you've learned something. So it's, and I know it's hard for a lot of people, especially the people leaving college that have like parental safety nets too. Um, like I did not have that, which I think is kind of probably shocking to you. But um, like my mom did not let me move in there. So I literally knew like, oh my God, when I graduate from college in X amount of months, I don't know where the hell I'm going to go, but I need to go somewhere. Mm. So that kind of is what pushed me. And I think a lot of people that have parental safety nets don't necessarily have that push because I mean, if I could have went home and like lived with my mom in Portland, I probably would have. So like, I probably would have. So I think it's a lot easier for people to do that, which I totally understand. I would have done the same exact thing, but I think to be able to find yourself and really what you want to do, you have to leave your safest environment. Yeah, I agree 100%. Really well said. Um, With that, Abby, I mean, if you have any 
Do you want to plug anything? Socials? Sure. My Instagram is Abby underscore fellows. My pageant Instagram is also linked in my personal Instagram. You can see my little kids there. It's at Miss Abby fellows. So Perfect. that's, that's what I'm plugging. I love it. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me. I appreciated our conversation and I hope you have a good rest of your night. Thanks. You too. I miss talking to you. Likewise. It's been a while. <laughs>